Hey y'all, welcome back to Gramps Place, where my guests and I discuss all things of public interest and anything else that might need a little changing in the good old USA. From ending the drug war and freeing those wrongfully imprisoned for crimes that have no victim, to making government more like what our forefathers intended of we the people again. I talk with doctors, scientists, politicians, and more, so you can make your own decisions on important issues in the USA. My guest tonight is someone whom I met online through my advocacy for cannabis. Nikki Lawley was an active pediatric nurse at 49 when she suffered a traumatic brain injury. When conventional treatments failed her, she had become a recluse living in pain and misery. Like a miracle, cannabis changed all that. Nikki has since become outspoken on the benefits of cannabis for head injuries. She's a member of many online support groups for individuals that have suffered head injuries such as brain tumors, TBIs, concussions, and CTE, the controversial neurodegenerative disease that is caused by repeated head injuries that can occur in sports like football, boxing, and other high-impact sports. Nikki now supports and consults with organizations that are conducting studies with cannabinoids for the treatment of symptoms associated with CTE and other head injuries. A very warm soul, Nikki is passionate and infinitely interested in the benefits of cannabis, most of which are still being researched. She is determined to help patients find access to medical cannabis products that provide them relief in the hopes that no one else has to suffer what she has. Let's meet Nikki and hear her story in her own words. Hello, Nikki, and thank you for joining me here on Gramps Place. Great to be here, Chris. Very excited to share with my journey to cannabis and how it all happened. Well, I have to say, I, uh, I can totally relate to your feelings of not wanting anyone else to have to suffer what you have needlessly. Um, you know, that's been my mantra ever since my son passed away from epilepsy several years ago. And um, I don't want anyone to have to endure what I endure every day when I wake up and he's the first thought that enters my head. Please tell our listeners uh, a little about yourself, your work history, your background. Sure. So in 2016, I was working as a pediatric nurse, just like any other day, um, a busy pediatric clinic that um, had lots of kids coming in for back to school physicals and shots and all that good stuff. A uh, normal day, I was about to go on my dinner break and had a combative child who wasn't real excited about getting a shot, but this was not my first rodeo. Um, Many kids don't watch shots. So I was called in to assist my coworker. And this child, every time she went to go give the vaccine, he would actually flap his arm like a duck. So it really made it an unsafe situation to try and administer a vaccine with a sure. duck flapping needle flying around. So I got behind the child and the father um, and did a traditional restraining hold. And um, he basically headbutted me uh, in my forehead, threw me against a wall, and then back into his head. So Ouch. it was a full impact injury that pretty much changed my life direction that day, that moment. And I can't ever go back and change that 
time. Um, Traumatic brain injury is an invisible illness slash injury, disability, whatever you want to call it, because Mm -hmm. what goes on behind the scenes, you look fine on the outside, you even talk normal, um, but what's going on in your brain is not normal. (laughs) Um, And one of the biggest challenges I had was getting a diagnosis and getting doctors to listen to me. I literally went from being the healthcare provider um, staff to now being the patient. And the transition to that level was really dehumanizing, if you will, because you go from being a respected colleague to all these doctors and physicians, and now all of a sudden, you can't see anything wrong with me. I don't have a broken leg or a broken limb, but it's all behind the scenes. I can't um, get rid of the pain in my head that has not stopped since 10, 11, 16. Doctors say to you, well, you can't possibly still have a headache. And I'm like, I'm sorry. (laughs) How is it you know that? Because I can tell you I definitely have one. Yeah. Uh, And it was very frustrating to get a diagnosis and to be heard and feel like I matter. I mean, I really understand when patients say they feel like a number and just a symptom because I went through that whole symptom situation. They just tried to treat the symptom rather than the whole person. The countless therapies I went to, the countless drugs I was on, the multiple procedures I had done, And at the end of the day, none of them were helping. They were actually, in many ways, making me worse, especially the pharmaceuticals. My body, after traumatic brain injury, really didn't want anything to do with the medications they put me on. But at the same time, I'm a nurse. You do what the doctor says. (laughs) Obey. Um, I can tell you right now, in 2016, I sure as hell had never heard of the endocannabinoid system. Or anything about it. Um, It was never trained in nursing school. Doctors didn't know about it. It was just, okay, headache, this isn't working. Let's add this drug to it. Let's add this drug to it. And let's throw in some antidepressants, some muscle relaxers. I mean, I had a cocktail of 18 pills I was taking at one day, at one point. And... It was like ridiculous. I mean, I couldn't keep anything straight because there were so many medications. And when you have a brain injury, one of the big problems is, is executive function, which is basically completing any task. It's the higher level of thinking that you need to actually implement something. And so the day that the doctor told me I needed to get a pill organizer, I was like, I am not 80 years old. I am not getting a pill organizer. I'm a nurse. I can handle multiple patients, multiple things, and you're telling me I need a pillbox? Hell no. And then I needed the (laughs) pillbox. But brain injury has taught me so many things. It's really, you're going to think I'm kind of crazy, Chris, but I'm actually pretty grateful for my brain injury. Um, Mm. The things that have happened to me, the crap that I've gone through to get where I am today, it's really made me a better person. It's made me nice. more human, more compassionate, more more in tune with other people, I guess is the best way of saying it. I can, it I can, I can totally, totally relate to that. Um, 
I was pretty much a to myself kind of guy. You know, I took care of me and mine. My business is my business. Your business is your business. I'll do my thing. You do yours. And everybody will be a-okay. And I didn't really worry or think about other individuals so much, you know. Um, I mean, I thought about groups of individuals. Like, I've always been an advocate for our veterans, you know. Um, I, I, that, that's, a, that's a subject we could do a whole show on. <clears throat> but, um, and of course, I advocate for our, and with our veterans for cannabis as well. But um, the things that, that I have learned through my ad- advocacy and the people I've met and the doors that that has opened for me, both emotionally and intellectually, I can totally relate to to what you're what you're getting at there may not be exactly what you're saying but i get it it's um it's really been a blessing i mean i'm so grateful for this journey because without it i mean if you had told me five years ago you're going to be this outspoken you know advocate for the plant i would have said yeah whatever you're smoking you need to pass that over here because there's no way (laughs) (laughs) he Um, I mean, I'm a former casino dealer and full-time pediatric nurse, and I loved my job at the casino. I loved my job as a nurse. I loved helping people, but now I'm helping people in a whole different way. Mm -hmm. Now I'm, I'm almost like I'm really going against the easy way of doing things. I'm like standing up for those who maybe don't care about the plant right now. But in five years, when a loved one is suffering from cancer or a loved one is suffering from a brain injury, who do you think they're going to call? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This girl. Um, because they're going to remember my story. They're going to remember me fighting for the people that don't have a voice. That, like, I've seen tremendous improvements in patients that have dementia. Um, my grandmother had Alzheimer's. I went and saw her in Florida. She couldn't remember my name. She couldn't remember songs. She couldn't remember anything. And I remember giving her a hit on a vape pen and just desperately trying to connect with her in some way. Just that she was in there somewhere. And she started singing the song that she used to sing me when I was a little kid. (laughs) And you can't tell me that that didn't improve her quality of life. And Quality of life for me is everything now. You know, my life changed in a second. I took my health for granted. I took I took my life for granted. I took yeah. going out to a concert and enjoying myself for granted. Um, I recently came back from MJ BizCon. And while it's the most amazing, awesome convention, it's the most overwhelming and neuro fatigue producing event for someone with a brain injury Sure, sure. literally (laughs) shut down for pretty much four days they posted a few pics here and there but nikki was not home i mean (laughs) there's a real thing when i do activities it's definitely you need to break so what brought you to the choice of of trying cannabis to treat your condition um I discovered cannabis by accident. Mm-hmm. It was 
ever offered as a treatment for any of my symptoms of brain injury, which included brain fog, pain, depression, anxiety, balance issues, cognitive issues. The list went on and on. Yeah. And they were just writing scripts, writing scripts, writing scripts. Um, I was part of New York State Workers' Compensation System. So not only did I have to try and deal with my regular symptoms, but I had to actually prove I was injured. I know that seems a little crazy, but I mean, I don't understand how anyone would ever want to be part of a workers' comp system or disability system or anything. It is no. hell and a shit show. Excuse mm -hmm. the term, but there's no other nice way of saying it. I mean, <laughs> some, no argument here. <laughs> <laughs> some bureaucrat behind a desk fighting my health and welfare. Mm -hmm. And know me. And what was interesting is my workers' comp actually paid for my cannabis. And let me tell you, that really? was a small fee <laughs> because the judge would approve it, but then the um, carrier would appeal it and say, yeah, no, it's Schedule 1. We can't approve that. And then the judge would say, oh, but yes, we can. So, I mean, it was back and forth, back and forth. And I finally did get it covered, but by that time, I had almost settled. So at this point, I mean, I couldn't wait to be done with workers' compensation because the stress it created, the overwhelming feelings of you're a loser. And instead of helping people reach maximum medical improvement and then finding something that maybe they can do, mm -hmm. it, you, you've got to literally – be more disabled so that you can continue to receive benefits. I mean, it's the most stupid thing. Yeah. I, um, Canada, totally opposite, just so you know. <laughs> Canada <laughs> actually supports their disabled workers and actually tries to get them in different um, other further education opportunities and things like that. When I heard that, I was like, well, that makes sense. You know, when you dehumanize people and treat them differently and make them feel like, they have to prove they're injured. They have to prove that they're worthy of these benefits that really aren't that great, people. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's sad. It's really sad that I am where I am today. Yes. Somebody that has never been on workman's comp doesn't really know. And I, I know it varies from state to state. But it's still an insurance company, and insurance companies have one major goal, and that's to pay as few claims as possible, period. 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 They don't make money by, by paying claims. They make money by saying, oh, no, we don't have to pay that. And it's true. And, I mean, I'm fighting – I constantly have to fight for the most basic of coverages, and it's just ridiculous. So my heart goes out to anyone that's fighting the workers' comp system because it sure. sucks. It totally sucks. And um, I was literally planning my death. Um, my symptoms were mm. so severe in Las Vegas. And so you, you had reached complete and total rock bottom. You were done. Done. Done like dinner. I was 100% wow. done. And it was to the point where my husband desperately tried to cheer me up to get me a vacation to Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. We got there and I was just a mess. I was a crumpled up ball of junk. And I literally could not leave that hotel room for three days. And I was looking over the side of the balcony and a billboard came by 
saying, get your medical marijuana card in Nevada today. Immediately, I saw the image of your brain on drugs, the Nancy Reagan just say, mm -hmm. no, your brain on drugs with the fried egg. As that billboard passed, that's what I thought of. And it was kind of funny because I'm like, you've got a brain injury now. That would make sense. Why don't you just go get your head a little more screwed up on some good drugs? And so, you know, I remember like <laughs> totally thinking that. And then the billboard came back again. And so my husband came back from a walk and I said, hey, we can go get my weed card today. How about that? And, and he's like, let's go. Let's go. And so he was willing to try anything. I mean, when I well, said sure. it could have been LSD, he would have been cool with it. He thought it would help me. You know what I mean? Uh, and, I would have been the same way if I'd have been in the, those shoes. Pardon this short break for a word from our sponsors. Welcome back to Gramps Place. The podcast where Gramps and his guests talk about all things of public interest. this is a man who's been with me for 20 plus years. This wasn't like some chick he just met in Vegas. I mean, he mm -hmm. knew me and he knew I wasn't right, but yet he didn't know how to help me. And no one does when you are that depressed and you can't even think about getting dressed or taking a shower or, or the depression is just encompassing your every aspect. Yeah. It's really hard for someone who's not depressed to relate to that or be empathetic to that. And so when I got my card, I then went to a dispensary and, you know, like a good bud tender, the guy like recommended the tinctures, the gummies, the um, pills, the patches. I had like a beyond assortment of products the first time. And I kept trying the edibles and I kept trying the tinctures because I really wasn't a smoker, but he gave me a few joints. Like, I mean, I bought a few joints and I got to tell you, Chris, like the joints, what did it? It wasn't the tinctures. Yeah. It wasn't the gummies. It wasn't the patches. I heard different people say different things. Some people say smoking doesn't help them and, and the patches do. And then some people say that smoking patches, all that stuff, if it's not an edible, it won't work for me. You know, I think it's different for everybody really. It really is. And understanding that was really hard for me to grasp. Like mm -hmm. why I gave my husband one of those gummies and he was high as a kite. Like, I mean, he couldn't, he didn't <laughs> like it. He wanted out. He wanted to come down now. And I'm like, I ate 10 of them and I felt nothing. So it was very challenging to me to, you know, well, is this even, does it have anything in it? Like, you know, yeah. it was a real challenge to understand. And when I came back to New York, from that time in January of 17 in Vegas, chronic pain wasn't one of our conditions. And New York State at the time had a zero flower option. All we had was tinctures, vapes, and oils. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, chronic pain wasn't on the condition. So I wasn't even eligible to be a medical patient. Around that same time, I had friends in Canada. They said, hey, come over here. We have a medical program. We can get you what you need. You just have to stay here. So I literally became a Canadian medical cannabis refugee, if you will. Okay. I would go there and spend 
three days, five days, three weeks, <laughs> and literally try multiple forms of different cannabis, different methods, different ways of understanding the plant. And I became so knowledgeable of all these different things unintentionally. And then I started recording this data and understanding what terpenes really worked for me, what minor cannabinoids seemed to have an effect, and different ways of dosing and learning that pretty much vaping or smoking, it's only going to last me two hours. So if I don't have a way of doing that in two hours, I'm not going to feel great. And so like when I do speaking engagements and things like that, it's so important to me that I'm either A, in a legal state that I can actually medicate in, B, and I mean, people ask me to speak all over the world and, and like, I'm flattered, I'm grateful, but if you don't have, if I can't have access to my medicine, you don't want me to speak. (laughs) I won't make any sense. So these are things that you don't think about, but in reality, you really need to. Like when I, my family lives in Florida, just going to Florida is like, well, I don't want to just get Jimmy's. Jimmy's bud down the street. I want medical cannabis. I mean, the yeah. reciprocity problem is a huge issue. Yeah. You know, um, I should be able to go to Florida and access the medical dispensaries just like I do in Nevada or California. Mm-hmm. You know, it shouldn't be a problem, but it really is. And so planning vacations, planning, you know, activities for me, it, while it's not centered around my medicine, it's definitely part of the things I have to think about because yeah. I get my best. I want to feel good. I don't want to be in agony. So, you know, I had a kind of an interesting experience at the uh, Las Vegas airport with TSA oh, um, <laughs> the other day. Um, I was coming through security and I pushed the envelope a little bit before, but I was just doing a feel. And again, Cannabis is my medicine. It shouldn't be any different than my antidepressants or my Xanax. I should be able to. Same, same. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially if I have a prescription for it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, I mean, it should not be treated any different. And in my particular case, um, the bags in Las Vegas, you either go to the left or to the right. When it goes left, you are good. When it goes right, not so much. So my bag, of course, went right. And uh, (laughs) TSA starts doing their rifle, and they pull out two joints that were from a dispensary, and they um, pulled out my gummies. Now, they didn't pull out any of my vape pens, which I thought was kind of interesting, because they were all in the same area. I wasn't hiding them. I wasn't, like, being deceitful. And, of course, there's signs all over, cannabis is not allowed. If you have cannabis, dump it in this box and all this crap. Well, Mm -hmm. I cut them. But at the same time, I paid for my medicine, and and I wanted to experience it once I landed. So Mr. TSA guy goes, these are not allowed. And I said, but I'm a medical patient. And when you look at me, Chris, I don't exactly look like um, the traditional stereotypical stoner. No, not at all. (laughs) In my little cute little blazer, my cute little shoes, and – here I am arguing with Mr. TSA over my two joints. And now there's sort of a crowd kind of coming in. And, and, and you 
know, the whole mask thing, you can't hear, I can't hear him, so he's having to scream, I'm having to scream. And I'm like, but I'm a medical cannabis patient. And, <laughs> and he's like, that doesn't matter. And I'm like, what do you mean it doesn't matter? Why is my medicine less important than my than his chemotherapy drugs? What is the difference? And so then he calls the supervisor over. Chris, they took those two joints and put them right back in my bag. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> they did not like where this was going. And and I was not creating a commotion to be, you know, insubordinate at all. Yeah. It's educational experience. And that's sure. what I'm really trying to do is educate, educate cops, educate teachers, educate the PTA mom that sure. thinks cannabis is the gateway the more we talk about it the more we remove the stigma and that has been my mission since I got my brain injury really my brain injury there was so much stigma surrounding it and then mm -hmm. finding medicine I just feel like I need to shout that from the rooftops and keep shouting it because people if they don't hear the story they don't know what they don't know and yeah. I didn't know crap about brain injury i didn't know anything if you would have had a child in my practice and told me you were giving them um cannabis oil for seizures i would have called cps i would have said you know child protective services hello i've got a crazy parent that thinks they're giving their kid weed and it's okay you know i mean legitimately and this was my thinking and because because they're not teaching it correct and and that is one of the major things we've got to change. It needs to be taught in medical school because it is a medical issue. The endocannabinoid system is a system that controls almost every aspect of your body. I mean, homeostasis. That's what it's all about, right? Facts. Facts. What I'm learning, though, is the patients are the ones becoming knowledgeable in the plant and the mm -hmm. patients are then reaching out to their nurses or the secondary the people that they would feel comfortable talking to the medical assistants the dental hygienists you know people that are less intimidating than doctors so then that secondary level of professional is mm -hmm. actually more knowledge from the patient and then they're looking into it further then those secondary professionals are now saying to the doctors hey man mrs jones and her vomiting from her chemotherapy is like stop from cannabis like we need to look at this stuff and so then that doctor that is receptive one out of maybe 200 <laughs> will then become a voice for the plant but mm -hmm. it starts at the patient level and that is so different than any other aspect of healthcare. Traditionally, science is where it all starts, and the doctors learn from the scientists, then the scientists teach the doctors, and then it goes downward. But this can is going the other way. I actually uh, had an interesting conversation uh, in my last episode with Mara Gordon about that whole kind of, I mean, we, we, we weren't talking about that directly. But we touched on it most certainly indirectly, and a lot of that is fueled by the fact that the pharmaceutical companies, you know, they they base what they want to invest in around a patent, 
or a patentable product, and they ain't figured out a way to do it yet. Well, you know? it does have a patent on it. So. Well, yes, it does. Uh, <laughs> it more than one, actually. Uh, yeah, facts. Um, <laughs> is one of my heroes. I have nothing but the utmost respect for her and what she's trying to do. And I love her concepts and everything that she believes in because she's not in the cannabis industry. She's in the medical industry. And I Absolutely. feel like them as well. I don't feel like I never talk about getting high. I talk about getting medicated. I talk about, I believe we have to change the communication we use. When we say weed, it's just, again, it's a slang. It's, it's sort of like we have to elevate the conversation. We have to get mm -hmm. it with the indica sativa language. That is like, a thing of the 80s. We need to move forward and talk about terpene profiles and talk about minor cannabinoid profiles and discuss mm -hmm. what makes you feel like indica, okay? It's not that particular name of the strain. It's actually the terpene chemical profile behind it. And just because you have a strain called Durban poison, that doesn't mean it's really Durban poison from the original OG Durban poison, okay? Kids... A strain name, a seed name, it means nothing without a test. And trying Absolutely. to even OGs in this. Like, the OG is saying, oh, man, my my weed's been the best since 1965. And I'm <laughs> people, hi. And yeah. like, they didn't want to know what's in it. <laughs> and that's okay. But for me, to be able to pick a strain... I want to see the whole thing, man. I want to know what terps I'm getting. Nevada does the best job with labeling so far of any really? state. Mm -hmm, by far. Yeah. Because they have the minors, they have the majors, as well as terps and everything. And I really like Nevada's labeling system. Because New York was has been so behind the times, I literally learned all about cannabis in Canada, in Massachusetts, in Nevada, because Nevada is is great. I mean, I really wanted to move there, and mm -hmm. really, it's my jam. But <laughs> but it's also uprooting my entire life from Buffalo. And I mean, I've lived here forever and ever. So, you know, my whole family's here, my kids, everything. So it's a really difficult, you know, decision. Sure. But now with New York legalizing, I see the opportunities for myself and Nikki and the plant to just kind of blow up. I mean, we are looking at, um, like, I'm planning on launching a Nikki and the plant brand focused on brain health, brain injury. Okay. And, um, you know, I've had lots of influencers reach out and big companies reach out saying they want me to rep their brand. And again, it's got to be a company that aligns with my values. It's got to be somebody – I don't have to believe every single thing the way you do. I mean, like, we can agree to disagree, sure. but there's fundamental things that I can't change about me. <laughs> and, like, I don't know. Let's just pick animal abuser. <laughs> I, I don't have any tolerance at all. Like, so yeah. if there's someone in your corporate board that's an animal abuser, we won't be doing business. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I have really hard standards for certain things, and and I can't change my value system for that, you know? I want to work with companies that see my value and see the experience of a patient 
that's been in multiple markets that understands multiple channels, if you will, and how this plant works for especially brain injured people. Sure. I am not a nurse anymore. I mean, there are green nurses that actually teach patients how to dose with cannabis and how to do things with cannabis for their specific conditions. I'm not that, but I am a nurse who supports cannabis and mm -hmm. I will send you to those green nurses and I will send you to those green doctors that mm -hmm. can help you and get you on this plant in a way that makes sense. You know, um, I don't ever want to be the one giving medical advice because what my yeah. experience is, is just my experience. It's not that I'm telling you if you have a brain injury, cannabis is going to cure you and it's going to be like the end all be all. For me, it's a tool in my recovery. It's a tool in my toolbox that allows me to live in the moment. I mean, when we think about the past, we think about depression, we get depressed. Like if mm -hmm. I think about all the things I used to be able to do, then it's depression. If I think about tomorrow and everything like, oh my God, how am I gonna pay the bills? How am I gonna pay this? How am I gonna pay that? Then all you are is living in anxiety. But if you just take a deep breath, have a little boost of medicine, live in the moment, enjoy every day like it's your last and you won't ever wake up with regrets. If I can save just one person and give them hope when they hear my story that I was literally knocking on death's door and planning to jump. Mm -hmm. And this plant saved my life. I mean, if one person hears that and gets a glimpse of hope and wants to learn more, I love that. You know, that's what I'm doing this for. Yeah. It's not about Nikki Lawley. It's about cannabis and the movement that it can create and yeah. empower other people. And that's all I'm trying to be is a vehicle for that voice. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the same for me. And I can totally respect that. I can totally respect that. So tell me, tell our audience better where, uh, where they can find you if they want to reach out to you. Sure. My name is Nikki Lolly. It's N-I-K-K-I Lolly, L-A-W-L-E-Y. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, LinkedIn. I'm kind of at max followers in all those venues. You can follow me, but if you request my friendship and I can't request, you know, accept it, it's just because I'm at max and I can't, I keep going through my files and deleting people, but it just isn't going quickly. Um, <laughs> and then I have Nikki and the plant.org. Um, and okay. in the plant is a page also on Facebook. Well, uh, I want to thank you again, Nikki, for coming on and telling your story. It's a very inspiring story. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad you came to share it with us. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. I look forward to seeing more from Graham's place. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us tonight and listening. Gramps Place, where Gramps and his guests discuss all things of public interest and anything else that might need a little changing here in the good old USA. From ending the drug war and freeing those wrongfully imprisoned for crimes that have no victim, to making government more like what our forefathers intended of we the people again. Gramps talks with doctors, scientists, politicians, and more, so you can make your own decisions on important issues in the USA. 
be sure to subscribe where you get your podcasts or visit GrampsPlace.net today. And as always, thank you for listening to Gramps Place. Thank you.